Uh, welcome, it's a gated community and I've had coffee. You have been warned. Oh, the first German accent of the day. The sun is shining. tell you the skip has finally got well it's not finally got what it wasn't like it was supposed to kind of stay forever but the skip has gone everybody so no longer will i have people looking at my uh, skip is that sound like a euphemism it does a bit doesn't it uh, no longer people looking at my skip they'll uh, just uh, go up past my place now uh, skip has gone and the bathroom has been completed and I'm very chuffed with the results. Yeah, it's very chuffed. Uh, so I can go for a shower now and uh, not be uh, scared of getting trapped. Because, you know, I told you before that the folding door uh, was kind of getting, and so I was scared of it getting trapped. Though I can get out of places because I am a 
XSES. Um, so how was your weekend? Was it good? Did you do anything exciting? Uh, what did we do? Uh, oh, I watched a bit of football. The kids came round. Well, you know, we can't have all the kids in the room at the house at the same time because, you know, so we had, uh, you know, the uh, the little port guys and then uh, the round the corner guys. So it's quite nice. It's quite good. Um, so, uh, and I've been, I, as I warned at the start, I've been for my coffee. The reason I played that song at the start there is it went on the... So somebody was talking about it on Twitter today. It's what a great song. My Carmont and Butler. Sounds like a cigarette thingy, doesn't it? You know that Chicago's the rattiest city in the world. Did you know that? Okay, yeah. Um, the uh, Chicago, if you ever go to Chicago, it's got big, uh, which means the cats are a bit rubbish. I've got a story about a cat later on as well. In fact, I better just um, prep my uh, little, um, hang on a sec. I better just do this as well. Yeah, I should have done all this before. Um, is that that button one? Hang on, let's just... Don't ever use the word smart with me. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, I've got a story about cats as well. Uh, it's not really... Well, it is about cats, but it's a how rubbish um, ancient artists were as well. Chicago is the six-time holder of a title that no city wants. Uh, the Windy City has topped the list of the rattiest cities in the USA for the sixth year in a row. That's quite nice. You know, you, well... You kind of wonder, don't you, sometimes that uh, your rat population is not up to the scratch. Ah, scratch. Anyway, I am. Um, where was the last time I saw a big rat? No, I better not say that. It was a way to make a joke there, but that will probably be wrong. I get complaints anyway. I, you never thought I'd get complaints about a podcast, but I do. <laughs> People complain about uh, a free podcast and things I shouldn't say. Rodents are experts at sniffing out food and shelter, and they're resilient in their ways to obtain both. Ben Hotel, all right, or that might be Ben Hotel. Uh, he works for Orkin, which is an Atlanta-based pest control service. All right, residential properties offer the ideal habitat for rodents, and once they're settled, then they're capable of reproducing rapidly and in large quantities. Rat condoms, right? We'd nobody ever thought about that. Rat condoms. I had a weird experience this morning before going any further. You know when you... I, I saw somebody who looked like um, that MP for... She's in the government. Uh, she looks... Uh, uh, Teresa Coffey. And she was in the coffee shop today. But it wasn't Teresa Coffey, but it looked somebody very much like her. And I'd never seen her before, ever. All right? Isn't it funny when you see somebody once and then I was driving back... Uh, and into the gated community, and she was walking past the gated community. The same woman who I hadn't seen ever before was suddenly in my life. Anyway, uh, th that's by the by. Because I saw, yeah, it ever happened to you? There's a phone in. Ever had weird coincidences uh, where somebody you never knew was in your life is in your life? That's just how it goes. Uh, efforts to tame as uh, the city's uh, Chicago's rat population have been going on for years. Chicago's war on rats, war on rats. War on. What will ever happen to the war on drugs? Uh, the war on terrorism? They've now got a war. It's probably all the money's been uh, War on rats. The reason I like this story is they've got an introduction of a new rat task force. A rat task force. Now, that's why the Americans are brilliant. They come up with a rat, a rat task force. It's quite hard to say. Uh, it, it, residents have, been, uh, have begun adopting cats to squash the numbers. Mind you, some of the rats you get, if I was a cat, I really think seriously about doing it. I, I would. But taking on, oh, oh, right, there's a funeral cortege, for, not cortege, for a funeral procession just going past. Oh, bless them. 
I always send out a prayer to you. Whenever you see a funeral, uh, I always send out a prayer for people in the back of the cars. You, I always feel sorry because it's, it's a bad day. It's a tough day, isn't it? A funeral day. Um, anyway, uh, residents have begun uh, 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 adopting cats to squash the numbers. Uh, nationwide, uh, the statewide mandates uh, to stay at home and close businesses haven't just affected the human population, according to Orkin, the company. That, you know, uh, apparently, the pandemic exacerbated rat populations. A community-wide closure have led to decrease in food available to roads, especially in dense commercial areas, so they're moving in. But that's in Chicago, so don't worry. Don't worry about that, because it's in Chicago. What else have we got to talk about? Yeah, talking of cats, I want to talk about how bad ancient artists were. I, mean, I don't mean like uh, the old artists, you know, like um, Vincent van Gogh. Oh, by the way, I've got a phone in on that as well. But, you know, the, the Neanderthal people, the people that did paintings on the side of caves, how crap were they at doing that? Because I've just seen this thing in the papers uh, today. Um... A huge feline figure carved into an arid hillside over 2,000 years ago has been discovered in southern Peru. According to the country's Minister of Culture, the ancient geoglyph, which measures 37 metres across, forms part of the Nazca Lines, a collection of hundreds of mysterious artworks etched into the plateau 250 miles south of Lima. Which is nice, but if you see it, it's a really rubbish drawing. It's not a very nice drawing. And when you think about it, some of the uh, ones that come out of the caves, even the ones back in the ancient Egypt, they were a bit rubbish, weren't they, some of them? Somebody needed to give them feedback. But this thing that looks like a child, but it's a cat. And cats have been around for uh, a long while. But it's on the side of this, uh, this mountain, and it just looks hilarious. And we're supposed to go. We're supposed to, aren't we? As modern people go. Oh, that's wonderful. Look at that. They knew how to draw. They didn't know how to draw in the old days. They were rubbish. Well, they got better. You got your, your um, artists and everything. Uh, you're a new artist. But, I mean, the early artists had nothing. They were rubbish. And when you think about it, they were drawn with chalk and everything. Anyway, they, uh, they, they've got these... Uh, everybody's over the moon about this. They're, you know... Oh. It's a source of intrigue. No, it's not. It's a rubbish... It's a painting that you would have returned. You know, it's the one that kind of painting you would have said to your grandchild or your child. That's good. Well done. I don't think she's going to be an artist. Uh, the, uh, the lines and geoglyphs cover an area of around 450 square kilometres, which were created between 20, 500 BC and 500 AD, according to... See, there you go. So I just like to say that controversial, I know. I just like to say that cats... Uh, our drawings of cats and animals in the past, Neanderthal people were rubbish at art.
interesting story today as well. And you know these whole things when people say they, uh, you know, you're going to post if you're not that well, de if your depression's kind of gripping you, uh, they say, you know, share it. And a lot of people kind of make out they're sharing it, but it's not. There's a really good one here today. I'm not okay. Unemployed, sorry, father of two, 51, goes viral with tweet about struggling during the coronavirus lockdown and gets 300,000 messages of support. Edwin O'Leary, 51, from Surrey, shared the candid message on, message on social media. And within minutes, he had a whole array of uh, heartwarming responses. That's, see, this is what's great about social media. I know it's rubbish for a lot of things and, you know, people slagging people off. Um, but an unemployed father of two has been flooded with messages of support uh, after he says, I'm not OK, having endured months living alone during the pandemic. He's from Epsom in Surrey. I used to live near Epsom. At, uh, I used to be at RAF Headley Court. Uh, and uh, he's had this depression. This is why I grabbed it, because you know that I've got the uh, I've got the depression as well. Um, though I'm OK at the moment. I'm OK, but I do fluctuate, even with the medication. Uh, but he's had depression for more than a decade, admitted his mental health had plummeted during uh, coronavirus, and he'd hit rock bottom as he took to Twitter to share his mental anguish with others. And then the whole the Twitter uh, community just gets stuck in. He's, in his message, he's now been viewed more than 10 million times and liked by more than 230,000 people. I'm not okay. I'm feeling rock bottom. Please take a few seconds out to say hello. And he looks like a really nice man. And my heart goes out. I just always feel, because I know what it's, you know, when, you know, when you've been unemployed and uh, for a long while. I mean, I had a, I mean, I had a period... Not this period, I'm in a new unemployed period at the moment. But I had um, a period when I was out of work for like uh, three or four years. Oh, when I say I was out of work, I was still managed to do things. I still managed to go and, you know, um, sort of make podcasts for people and do that. So I wasn't really, I didn't have a full-time job going into a place. Anyway, he's, he's been unemployed for 18 months after working as a mental health advisor. Later explained that he's, this absolutely horrendous year had taken a toll on his mental health. The father hoped to see his son Patrick, twenty-two, graduate, uh, graduate uh, with uh, graduate rather with a first-class degree, and was also uh, due to take his uh, other son Connor to Dublin to begin his PhD, but both were subsequently cancelled amid the coronavirus crisis. Most days, he says, are really rubbish, and yesterday was another day. I was feeling really low. I thought I'm going to be honest, and that is the secret. Just be honest. If one thing about Twitter it can make the difference is just letting people know that you know, you're actually not feeling well and you need some help. You need somebody just to put an arm around you and say, it's okay, we're here for you as well. Uh, following his message, social media users rushed to the platform to share words of encouragement. Just great. Uh, another person called, hi Edmund, Edmund, I have an idea of where it feels to rock bottom. Remember that you are loved, you matter, and uh, those feelings are only temporary. You have done the right thing by reaching out. He has. And so I wanted to highlight that story because if you're somebody who's listened to this and you suffer with mental health problems, right? Um, we've all got mental health, uh, but some of us have got bad mental health and it doesn't really work. Uh, then just talk to somebody. Go and see your doctor. You know, just get yourself sorted. Because, you know, I was in, in a really dark place myself for a long while and I thought of doing some dark things, um, you know, at one stage. And luckily enough, I got a good doctor who just uh, recognised it and got me sorted out. And, uh, you know, but again, it's always hanging around you, the uh, black dog. It's always So if you are somebody who suffers with uh, mental health problems, 
uh, or you somebody in your life suffers, you know, put our arm around them. Just when you say, "Is there anything I could do?" Really mean it, or just even listen. That's got me wound up. Apart from the government with the pandemic, oh, oh they, 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 you know, did you see Michael Gove yesterday? I'm gonna go ranting. Michael Gove yesterday that. Oh, he just, he just wants to be the Prime Minister. He, you know, let's just... Can we just say that? He just wants to be the Prime Minister. He's waiting for Boris to get the big E. Anyway, he was on there saying, you know, about the Manchester problem with the, uh, you know, the Andy Burnham just not, to, you know, towing the party line and, you know, everybody else is towing the party line there with, uh, with the lockdown. And he's, and he's at least looking for help for businesses. He's just looking... You know, and, and because, let's, you know... It's Manchester. I don't know if it's a conservative uh, you know, strongholder when you're after the last election. It might be. But he's holding it for the best. But the, uh, the government, in their nasty, horrible way, have made him be uh, the villain. You know, and they're threatening all kinds of things. If, they don't, if he doesn't, they'll just override him in lockdown anyway. But this is the way they're working now. And it's just continuous blame elsewhere. We've got a, a we've got this a whole thing. Sorry, I'm just going to rant for a second. But with you, don't some of you are starting to turn off? I know who you are, but just think about this: the, the, this government have not handled the pandemic well. They won't even admit they haven't done uh, handled it well. We've got a track and trace system that is absolutely rubbish. It's terrible, and yet uh, we're still spending billions uh, because everybody, all the cronies, it's uh, somebody called it the. Uh, crony, chronodemic, corona, no, coronavirus, coronavirus, and everybody, you know, gets, uh, you know, gets it into the trough and gets to make money. Meanwhile, people are trying to save their careers, are trying to save their lives, they're trying to save other people's lives, and this lot just don't care. They just don't care. They don't. Let's just get that, that said. The conservatives do not care anymore about your health, my health. They just care about their pals. They just, what kind of brain, by the way, what kind of brain sees something like a pandemic as an opportunity to make money? What, what kind of brain does that? Anyway, the thing that grabbed me this morning, six people who got a period, even though there isn't room for John uh, Sen, Sentamu? Sentamu. Sentamu. Anyway, he's the uh, MP David Lammy described the snub as a uh, institutional prejudice. Dr. John Sintamu, who has been uh, refused an automatic life period, he's the Archbishop, he's the former Archbishop of York, and he was fantastic. Lovely man. Apologies if I didn't pronounce the name properly, but I'm rubbish at pronouncing the name properly. Uh, he was refused an automatic life period by Downing Street that's emerged. The 71 year old was expected to receive a permanent seat uh, that would be enable him to continue sitting in the House of Lords following his retirement, because the Archbishop gets to sit in the House of Lords. Whether you like the House of Lords or not, anyway. Uh, but there's no automatic right for archbishops to be given the life periods, but it's expected, okay? Uh, as Smoke said, the House of Lords uh, Lord needs addressing, but given the retirements and other departs, some new members are needed to ensure that the Lords uh, has the appropriate expertise and continue to fulfil its role in scrutinising the legislation. Uh, the snub uh, has been condemned by Tottenham MP Do uh, Mr David Lamy, describing it as institutional prejudice. So it's got to be some of that. Anyway, just have a look at the people this government have put through uh, as, uh, for peerage, all right? Let's have a wee look through who got a peerage uh, when the Archbishop of York, former, didn't get one. Joe Johnson, the Prime Minister's younger brother. 
What has he done? Bugger all, right? He dealt his uh, Albert Sibley a major blow and resigned from his cabinet. Joe Johnson resigned from the cabinet over Brexit, citing the national interest last summer. He gets a peerage. Ian Botham, who's already Sir Ian Botham, one of uh, England's greatest cricketers with 5,200 tests and 300, publicly supported the Brexit campaign, appearing alongside Johnson before the referendum. Oh, Charles Moore, remember he, he, he was, uh, so they were talking about him running the BBC out for him one way or another, but he stood down. I don't think the money was good. Yeah, it just wasn't enough money. That might, you know, I understand that. When you've got, you know, you've got needs. Charles Moore, former editor of the Spectator and Telegraph, uh, and Mike, Margaret Thatcher biographer. biographer. Uh, Moore is a former boss of Johnson, used to write for the Telegraph and the Spectator. He recently rules himself out as a BBC chairman, despite reportedly being the uh, PM's preferred candidate. So he got one. Claire Fox, MP. Get a hold of this one. Who publicly defended an IRA attack. Former Brexit Party MEP... Uh, right, it's your former MEP. All right, previously expressed opposition to the authority of the House of Lords and defended an IRA attack. She's also the director and founder of the Institute of Ideas. And here's another one Evgeny Lebedev. Remember him? The son of a former KGB oper operative, owns the Independent and Evening Standard, and has long been a friend of Johnson. These are the people that got in before the, uh, uh, the previous. Uh, Archbishop of uh, uh, York, just incredible, isn't it? Just incredible. Uh, this whole and and they're doing it out in front of us. They're doing it. They just they're just doing it and saying, yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, we are in charge. We'll just put uh, Michael Gove on to uh, Mara and uh, and we'll get away with it again because we're in charge. <laughs> Bye. 
I suddenly uh, remember another night there. Uh, we're just talking with the boys, and uh, we're just talking about uh, things you learn uh, when you're growing up, and uh, how you pass it on uh, to your kids. And I was telling this. Well, the boys know the story anyway. But um, when I was uh, what in my teenage, it must have been. Uh, well, I'd, I'd passed my driving tr- test, and um, I, we, I went out. My mate had a twelve seventy five Mini GT, fast as brilliant. And there was me, uh, Colin, and uh, Alan Pettigrew, and uh, we went out in the car. And we all got, uh, Colin said, you know, have a shot of driving it. So I drove it, and I drove it fast, and I crashed it. We, we could have been wiped out. We could have been killed. Uh, we nearly hit this big tree right at the top of the, uh, at the road, and I could have killed everybody. And just, you know, anyway, we... we the car uh, kind of we managed to turn it back on its onto its wheels and we um, we drove back in and uh, you know I went round with Colin to see his dad and said you know we've crashed the car and and uh, his dad was furious so I thought well I better go and see my dad now as well so I went round and saw him and uh, I went in I said Dad uh, I've crashed Colin's car and the first thing he said was is everybody okay. I says, yeah. He says, right, what were you doing driving the car? I says, Colin gave me a shot, Dad, and uh, I crashed it, and we nearly hit a tree, but we're fine. But the car's messed up. <clears throat> so uh, he said, okay, right, as long as everybody's fine, all right, as long as everybody's okay, go to your bed now, and we'll sort out in the morning. There wasn't one shouty match he didn't shout at me he didn't say what the hell were you doing driving somebody else's car uh, you, you know there's none of that he just went okay try and get some sleep and we'll sort out in the morning and my dad went round and saw colin the next day uh, colin's dad the next day and colin's dad would have nothing to do with it so my dad dealt with colin and uh i remember him telling me he had about 97 quid in his savings account and to fix the car was going to be about 95 pounds so it would wipe out my dad's savings because I wasn't obviously in, you know, sure to drive it. This was years ago. Um, and I hope that I don't get a knock on the door from the police. Anyway, um, he uh, we managed to get it fixed and everything and my dad's savings went down to about four quid. And at that time, you know, that's a long while ago. So that was a, that was a lot of money. Uh, he got it fixed and he said, right, here's the thing. Never ever do that again never do that again because you know you got away with it you were lucky and I never have done it again but go forward a few years and uh, my sons uh, had their bumps had their crashes and I remember sitting down and a phone rang in the house and my youngest lad says dad I've crashed the car and the first thing I said was 
is everybody okay? He says, yeah, it was only me. So I drove down and I, and I was thinking the whole thing about what my dad had said to me, what he had said about the, you know, just right, yeah, everybody fine. And I was very calm. And I just realised, of course, in that moment, you, you take on the experience and the wisdom of your elders, don't you? You take on what they, they have shown you. They have shown you what, how to deal with situations which you, uh, you hope you never have to. But I, and, I, and I just thought, great. And the, the great thing is, from my father, who probably got a bit of wisdom from his father, well, he didn't know who his father was, but from his relatives, he passed on that to me. I passed on my reaction to the boys, and they will do the same with their children. And it's funny how, you know, you get, you get wisdom from your elders, don't you? You get wisdom. And luckily enough, if it's a good wisdom, you can pass it on and you don't overreact. What was I going to talk about? Oh, yeah. Uh, celebrities who could play your parents. This is a flying around Twitter, uh, Twitter today, the old Twitter. wonder why it's not called Twitter, but Twitter. What do you think? Celebrities who could play your parents, um, somebody suggested uh, Dame Helen Mirren and uh, Piers Brosnan. I would go Judy Dench and who else? Judy Dench and who would be the man? Oh, Brian Cox, not the, uh, the professor, but the Scottish guy. Or the bloke who played John Rebus. Oh, what was his name? Oh, hang on, just got to find out what was his name. Because uh, I need to get a Scottish. Judy Dench does a great Scottish accent. Uh, Rebus. Who played uh, Rebus? Oh, a great actor. Oh, hang on. who played Rebus? R-E-B-U-Rebus. Uh, oh, yeah, it was... Uh, who played it? Oh, I can see there's his face there. Who is that? Now, what's his name? What is his name? Inspector John Rebus, Ken Stott. Ken Stott and Judy Dench. But there's a phone-in. Who would play your mum and dad in uh, a film about your life? Who would they play? Um, here's another one I discovered this morning. Uh, what, what time will we go here? What time are we at? Uh, all right, we're 33 minutes. Okay, I've got another song to put in and then we'll uh, then we'll clear off. Or I'll clear off and then put the last song in, okay? Um, I didn't realise there was an advert for um, a fudge shop in Cambridge today. And I, I, I had a wee look at it. I quite like fudge. You've got to be in the right mood for fudge. So we, I'm in Scotland, we've got tablets. Very sugary. But fudge, you can take a couple and then um, you think, well, I've had enough. Anyway, do you know that um, actually making fudge and, you know, and kind of shaping it, it's called fudge tooling. And <laughs> yes, somebody must be, have the job title of being a fudge tooler. I quite like that. Then I had another wee look at other jobs. Uh, weird uh, job titles. Because, you know, they get these uh, posh people. What about a beverage dissemination officer? That's a bartender. A chick sexer. Someone who determines the sex of chickens. <laughs> uh, a, a problem wrangler is a counsellor. Um, what about a dream alchemist? That's head of creative. Um, what about space travel agent? This is the job of, uh, of a man who's credited a travel agent for Virgin Galactic. All right, he's the guy that organises that. Um, marketing rock star, marketing executive. Pneumatic device and machine optimizer, factory worker. A senior Kindle evangelist in charge of all things Kindle for Amazon. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, chief inspiration officer. That's a, yeah, that's a, like the head of, the, head of it. Uh, what about personalised care assistant? Hair boiler, someone who boils animal hair until it curls. What? 
there is a job. Cheese sprayer. Someone who sprays, uh, sprays cheese or butter by hand on popcorn. Oh, here we go. Oyster floater. Someone who floats oysters in water until they're free of impurities. There's a job for that. Now, I don't know about you, but I went to, you know, I went to uh, my career's advice. I never get any of these ones. Uh, let's see if there's any more here that's worth while talking about. Uh, master handshaker. <laughs> Communication ambassador. Uh, what's the time? Uh, uh, let's see here. Okay, I was going to do some stuff about... Uh, oh, there is one story. I want to fire past you. Uh, in my previous life, uh, when I used to be a medic in the RAF, did I tell you? I used to be in the RAF. Don't turn off. You do this every time. I used to be in the RAF as a medic. I always remember a, a, a farmer, right, who used to... Uh, I used to... Uh, I was uh, did a lot of heart testing, people testing their hearts. I always remember this man whose heart used to get into some kind of a weird arrhythmia when he put his hands in cold water. Every time he put his hands in cold water, his heart would trigger off and we had to put a pacemaker in him. Lovely man. But we had to put a pacemaker in him because, you know, it just would, it would pass out every time you put your hands in cold water. And it, because he was a farmer, he was always out with his cows. Well, they do that. That's what farmers do. They're always, I don't mean they're always out. Anyway, I saw this one. Could cold water hold a clue to dementia cure? Cold water swimming may protect the brain from degenerative uh, diseases like dementia researchers from Cambridge University have discovered. In a world first, a cold shock protein has been found in the blood of regular winter swimmers. A cold shock protein. I'm going to write that one down. A cold shock protein. How clever are these people? Okay, cold shock protein. Um, the protein has been shown to slow the onset of dementia and even repair some of the damage it causes in mice. Professor Giovanni Malucci who runs the UK Dementia Research Institute Centre at the University of Cambridge, says the discovery could point researchers towards new drug treatments which may hold dementia at bay. The research, although promising, is at an early stage. But the reason I was going to do that is it just when you think, you're just wondering, because you know, dementia doesn't always get the, uh, the whole kind of big shout that everybody else, that other diseases get. But as this was saying, the, people are actually working hard to try and solve this horrible uh, disease, disease of dementia. So well done. You, if you've got the cold water protein, uh, gold, a cold shock protein, good on you. Right, I'm clearing off now. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I'll probably be back on Wednesday. I don't know what I'm going to do uh, for the rest of the day. I'll probably go and exercise or I might plant some plants in the garden. Or I might... No, I'm not going to go to the pub. I'm not, I'm not going to go to the pub, do you get me? I'm not going. Anyway, see, you t- see, yourself, see yourself. See you the next time. Wear a mask, socially distant, uh, and, and let's love each other from a distance, OK? I love you all. Our love's like fire and water myself should I bother when you look at me with those big brown eyes and I know why I do I've tried but it's impossible can't keep myself away from you there's something in the water Steam up the mirrors all night Something in the fire makes the world
those big brown eyes, we both know what I'll do. Well, I've tried, but it's impossible. Can't keep myself away from you. There's something in the water. Oh! 